Hello, we're on. Andy, we're good? Sweet, we're good. Are you guys good? We're good? Oh. All right, showtime. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, it's great to see you all here today for today's service. If you're outside, please come in. Uh, please feel free to take a seat, preferably at the front. I do not bite, um, but it really helps me to, to lead. Um, again, a warm welcome to everyone that's here. Um, it's great to, that you've joined us this morning. For those that are online, I'd like to warmly, warmly welcome you to church today. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Aaron, and it is my wonderful joy and privilege to be leading today's service. So, so we kicked off Mobilisation Month uh, this week. We had, we had a number of workshops happen this Wednesday, and it's just really great to see so many people come to, to those workshops, and it's really awesome to see how God is moving us and how God is equipping us to, with his word um, to go out to the world, spreading his good news. Um, it's also really cool to have uh, been partnering with Jess and Ness. Um, yesterday we had their partnership event, and it's just amazing to see how God is using them as well and how, how he's equipping them to be spreading God's word. A passage that really reminds me of how God is mobilizing us is from 2 Timothy 3, uh, verses 14 to 17. So Paul re- writes to his servant Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned and how far and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So once again, I just want to reiterate that it's awesome to see how members are coming, how all of you guys are being equipped with God's word and being moved by his Holy Spirit. Um, whether it's in teaching his word and, or whether it's meeting, meeting other people one-to-one or going out to the world, spreading his good work. It's so cool to see people wanting to, to do that and wanting to know how they can further in that work. And so as we come to sing and hear God's word being preached and pray, um, let's be reminded of how God is equipping us each day and how he's transforming us by his gospel. So in light of that, let me pray for us and then I'll let the band uh, lead us into, in worship. So let me pray. Father God, we give you thanks for, for you and for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us yeah, your word to, to go out and to preach and to, to help us teach your word. Um, Lord, help us to, to be reminded that, we are, that as we hear your word, that we are continually training in your righteousness and that ultimately you are equipping us to be a good servant for you, Lord. And we pray for all these things in your son's name. Amen. And so please, uh, please stand and the band will lead us in our first song. Love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice down. 
we sang, um, oh praise the name of our Lord our God. I'm not sure how, how that's um, affected your week this week. Um, you know, we, might, we might have forgotten who God is during the week and, this is, and, we come, and that means we come to a time of confession and that's a time where we acknowledge where we may have fallen short of before God or may have turned our backs on God. As I said before, again, today we can praise the name of our Lord our God but do we disobey God? Do we turn our backs on him? Have we, have we sinned? And that's what sin is. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't know about you, but for us, we may try to fix our own wrongdoings ourselves. But, that, but that's not what the passage is trying to say. It tells us that we need to turn back to God. We need to confess to God that we need him. And ultimately, when we confess, God gives us his forgiveness. He gives us his grace. And that, that we, he acknowledges that we have turned away from him, but then ultimately he wants to give his grace to us. So we read confession together to respond to the grace we've received and that we desperately need from the sin that we're in. And ultimately, God is the only one that can redeem us. So as the words pop up on the screen, let's take some time to really reflect on our weeks and where we may have fallen short before God. So I'll give you some time to reflect.
if you feel comfortable with me, uh, why don't you read the words of the confession with me? Most merciful God, we humbly admit that we need your help. We confess that we have wandered from your way. We have done wrong and we have failed to do what is right. You alone can save us. Have mercy on us. Wipe out our sins and teach us to forgive others. Bring forth in us the fruit of the Spirit that we may live as disciples of Christ. This we ask in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen. So church, in light of reading the confession, um, let's stand and be reminded of how God's grace has changed us. So I'll let the band lead us again in song, so please stand. Let and die. 
seat. Hi kids. What's your favourite animal? Is it a dog? Or is it a turtle? Well, my favourite animal is the lion because it reminds me of a true story in the Bible in the book of Daniel. Today, I need your help to, to tell today's story. Every time you see this picture, you have to roll. Let's practice. Get ready and go. Okay, great. Let's read from Daniel 6 in the Bible. Daniel was a very good ruler. Daniel was a very honest ruler. So King Darius gave Daniel an important job. This made the other rulers jealous. They wanted to get rid of Daniel. So they watched Daniel, but Daniel wasn't lazy. Daniel never lied or cheated. They could not find any way to trap Daniel. So they all put their heads together and came up with a plan. They went to King Darius. They said, Oh, King Darius, live forever. Everyone in Babylon has agreed that for 30 days, everyone should pray only to you. If they pray to anyone else, throw them in the lions. King Darius liked it very much, so he wrote down the new law. The law was read out. For 30 days, pray only to King Darius. That's me. If you pray to anyone else, you'll be thrown into the lions. Daniel heard about the new law. He thought about the lions. But Daniel would not pray to King Darius. Daniel got down on his knees and Daniel prayed to God. And Daniel kept on praying. He prayed in the morning. He prayed at lunchtime. He prayed at night. The, the king's law did not stop Daniel's praying. The lions did not stop Daniel's praying. But the jealous rulers were watching. The jealous rulers grabbed Daniel. They dragged Daniel to the king. The ruler said to the king, O King Darius, Daniel pays no attention to you. He still prays three times a day to his God. When the king heard this, he was very upset. The king liked Daniel. He did not want to throw him to the lions. But there was no way he could change the law. The law was the law. The king said to Daniel, May your God save you. So Daniel was taken out, and Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Then all the rulers went home. Daniel looked up. The lions heard Daniel fall in. The lions looked at Daniel and smelt Daniel. But they didn't eat Daniel. God shut their mouths. The next morning, the king ran to Daniel. He called out, Daniel, 
Daniel, was your God able to save you? Daniel called back, My God saved me. He sent an angel and shut the lion's mouths. The king was so happy, he ordered Daniel to be lifted out of the den. Daniel didn't even have a scratch on him. But the king was not happy with the jealous rulers. He ordered that they be thrown to the lions. The rulers were thrown in. The lions roared. The rulers died. Then Darius said, Daniel's God is the living God. Daniel's God is the one who saves. He has saved Daniel from the lions. Daniel put his trust in the one true God, and God saved him. Children, put your trust in the one true God, and he will save you. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. He has saved us from everything we need to be saved from. All right, well, hope you all learned something from the talk. And yeah, no, it was really cool to see everyone interact with that. Uh, with all the lions, and hopefully the lions weren't too scary. Um, and I didn't know that Anton's favorite animal was the lion. I thought it was something else. Oops. <laughs> All right, well, anyways, uh, if you've just come in today, I'd like to warmly welcome you to church. My name is Aaron, and yeah, it's so good to see you all here today. Um, so we've got a few announcements uh, for today. So we have an event coming up early next year, so I'm going to invite up Jess, but before Jess comes up, we're going to play a bit of a video, so we'll get that up first. Jessica, if you haven't met me. So, um, you know how most Christian workers feel like they could never share their faith at work? So, I work at CD Bible Forum, and I guide workers to be able to share Jesus in their, in, with their colleagues. Um, the last couple of years have been really disrupting the way we work, with new ways of interacting with colleagues and new technologies and expectations around work. Works are transforming into a less connected place where community is eroded even as we might be expected to, connect, to be connected 24-7. Um, this is all happening against a backdrop of social change where more and more Christian values are presented as intolerance. But Christian workers had so much to bring to their workplace. 
Jesus transformed our hearts to serve and love, love those we work with because Christ loves them. Uh, it's wrong that Christian workers should feel like should be left without a way to exp- uh, without expressing this love from Christ. Um, the annual Life at Work conference has encouraged thousands of Christians all um, across Australia from different industries um, in their faith at works um, over the last 10 years. The 2023 theme is the future work, very appropriate in the light of huge change to daily work. Um, at the conference, we'll, he- we'll hear teaching from experts such as Sam Chan, Andrew Laird, Cara Martin, um, and Daniel C. about God is still moving in this season and how Christians can respond and be a positive part of the transformation of our workplaces. The teaching and testimonies will equip and encourage you to be confident and to live as a Christian in this new working working environment and share Jesus with your colleagues. Um, So easy easy steps. Firstly, go to cdbibleforum.org slash live at work conference. Two, register for the conference. And three, join SWEC um, watch party on Saturday, 18th February at 11 a.m. Um, the early bird ticket costs $25, um, and after 30th of November, it will become $40. So save $15 and register. You'll be sent all your need for the conference the week beforehand. Uh, so all you need to do is um, turn up to the event and to the watch party. Um, if you can't attend the watch party, uh, you can follow the live stream from home. Um, at CD Bible Forum, we don't want any Christian f- workers to feel exhausted and left behind by the changes to the workplace. Uh, we don't want any Christian to feel like they have to hide their faith or leave their faith at the door. We know with the right support and encouragement, Christians can be confident in their faith at work and capable of nav- navigating these changes and bre- being a light in the workplace. So register now at cdbibleforum.org slash conference, and we'll send you the link to your CG leaders as well. Thank you. All right, thank you, Jess. Um, cool, so that's a really cool event. Um, if you want to bookmark that, yeah, that'll be great. Um, just the next announcement. So next Sunday, again, is our badminton table tennis afternoon. So if you like to just stick by after church to hang out with others and play some sports, uh, that would be really cool. Um, so yeah, that would be, again, really fun for everyone to come and participate. If you don't, um, if you don't really do too much during the week, that would be awesome to have some fun. I heard, I heard something that we're doing some Zumba, so I don't know. Is Zumba? I, don't know. I heard someone's leading it. I don't know. It's not me, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. But anyway, so we have a, another event coming up next month for our ladies, so I'm going to invite up Sharon to tell us a bit more about that. Uh, thanks, Jess, for the segue, because what better, what better way to love your co-workers by telling them about Jesus? So you, we have an ornament painting event coming on on December next. 17th of December at SWEC from 10 to 12 p.m. We'll just be painting some ornaments and also there'll be morning tea provided and also a short talk. And I think it's a great opportunity for us to prayerfully consider who we can invite to this event and who we would like to share Jesus to and who we can, um, yeah, bring to hear about this good news. And also it's a good opportunity for the women of SWEC to get together and for the gents as well, yeah, think about your ladies, um, female friends that you can invite to as well. 
Um, yeah, and reach out if you have any questions, but we would appreciate if you could sign up at go.swag.org.au slash Christmas. Wait, has the link changed? It should be Gift of Christmas 2022. I think we'll send it on the chat as well by the 4th of December. And you'll be hearing from us like every week from here on. <laughs> but yes, yes. Um, thank you, everyone. Thanks, Sharon. Um, and just the next slide, um, just again, Mobilisation Month again is still going on. So the workshops, just a reminder, there's three workshops for the next three Wednesdays. So if you, didn't, if you missed out last Wednesday, uh, don't worry. Um, we'll still be going on. You haven't missed out on, missed out on too much. Um, but again, um, it begins at 7.45 on Wednesdays. So make sure you come early. It really helps. And... Yeah, so, so now we're going to let the kids go off to Kids Church and Creche. And while that happens, uh, why don't you say hi to the people next to you? And then I'll invite up Steve for prayer. Hello. Ah. Good morning, church. We've come to a time of congregational prayer. This is a time for us as a whole church to be reminded that we have the joy of talking to God together. So let us use our heart, set our hearts and minds to talk to God as God desires to hear from us as a church. So friends, let us pray. Oh Lord God, Father in heaven, we gather here today knowing you are the creator of the universe. You are mighty and powerful. Yet even though we are weak and prone to turn away from you, God, you still desired to be with us. For you came down to seek us through sending your son Jesus into the world to be on the cross and in death and resurrection. By your mercy and grace, you paid for our disobedience and our sin. Thank you, God, for saving us and giving us a new life with you so we may have full assurance as we gather here now as a church to praise you, O prayer-hearing God. O Lord God, we lift in prayer for Chandai as they travel back into the mission field. We pray for safety and comfort on their flight. We think especially of the two little kids that, Lord, may you protect them. We give thanks to them as a family as they model what a heart for mission looks like. 
the sacrifices they make in order to bring your living word to Je- of Jesus to a country that so needs your word for peace. We pray as a church body that as they go, may we hold them with joy and celebration knowing Chandai are our partners and extension of our church body. Oh Lord God, we lift to you the mobilization month. We give thanks to those who attended our first week of workshops. And we continue to lift our six strand leaders, Vanessa, Matt, Jessica, Jeremy, uh, Jamin, and Marshall in prayer as they prepare for the next three weeks. We pray that, Lord God, you would fill our congregation, our church, through the Spirit to have a desire to come to these workshops, wanting to be trained up to serve you, to serve each other, and to serve those who have yet to hear your word. O Lord God, we think of those in our church who are in need right now, for those who are healing from illness, to those reminded of loved ones that have passed, to facing struggles in relationships and marriages, to coming to a low point in life. Lord, give us healing. Give us peace through the Spirit with renewed confidence in you, Lord, and overwhelm us with the confidence of belonging to your wider family of yours, Lord, with a thankfulness as we gather with brothers and sisters in worship, prayer, and to receive your living word preached to us. Grow in us a care to reach each other and speak your mercy and grace to one another. Comfort us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are a prayer-hearing God, Help us to keep rejoicing in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. In your holy name, Jesus Christ, and we say, Amen. Amen. G'day, church. Um, today's Bible reading comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, to chapter 5, verse 10. I'll give you a second to get to that. Verse 14, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death 
And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and, once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Um, so, uh, as, as you um, have noted, we're coming back to Hebrews, which we've been uh, out of for a while. So, a bit of a changing gear after the wild and woolly adventures of Judges. Um, but, um, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Well, when things are going well, it's easy to feel like God's... Um, it's easy to feel God's hand on us, isn't it? It's easy to believe that his goodness will continue and that he leans in towards us and hears our prayers, ready to answer them. But when things are going badly, it can seem like God has turned his back on us. It can be hard to believe that our prayers make it past the ceiling. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote about this in a little book called A Grief Observed, a book describing his experience after his wife died. He says that at the times that he needed God the most in the darkness, he felt like his prayers were met not with a listening ear, but with a door slamming shut in his face, then being double bolted. There have been times when I've also been in the darkness yeah, I've known the right theology, but that God is faithful and always with me. But my experience uh, seems to suggest that, um, seems to rob me of perspective and confidence in God's goodness. And trust in his grace can easily be sucked up by fear and despair. Perhaps you're, you've been there as well. Perhaps you are there right now, going through a dark place. Maybe you have the right head knowledge about God loving you, but your experience robs you of your trust and confidence of these truths. Wherever you're at, all of us at one time or another have struggled with unanswered prayer, disappointment with God. At the heart of those struggles is more than just not getting what we want. It can go to the core of our faith in God's goodness and trustworthiness. How can I be confident that he hears me? How can I know that he cares about me? Well, friends, today's passage gives us the answer. It tells us that we can know that God listens to us and understands us and cares about our struggles because Jesus is our high priest. He sympathises with us because he's fully human, just like us. But he's also able to save us because he is God's son. He made the perfect sacrifice out of his own life to pay for our sins. Well, let's pray. Um, Father God, we thank you for this wonderful passage of scripture. We thank you for the news that Jesus is a great high priest, uh, like in some ways, but then unlike in other ways, the human high priests. 
Thank you that Jesus alone can save us because of who he is and the sacrifice that he made. And we pray that you will give us ears to hear that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, it's been a little while since we've been in the book of Hebrews. Let's just do a quick recap to orient ourselves about where the book is going. Um, The first few chapters, you may remember, is about the idea of Jesus being greater than everything and everyone who came before. He is greater than the angels. He is greater than Moses because he is God's son. And and here we find out that he is greater than the other human high priests. Again, because he is the son of God. And, And he is greater because as God's son, he is with God. In fact, he is God. He is in heaven at the same time as he is fully human. Well, let's get into our passage. Click is not working. There we go. In chapter 5, verse 14, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Our first point is what the author tells us we need to do because of who Jesus is, and that is to keep confessing Jesus. As we just saw, we are to do that because Jesus is our great high priest. So what's that mean? Here at SWEC, we don't have a lot of experience with priests. In fact, we don't have any priests. So the whole idea of a priesthood can feel a bit foreign to us. But for the people who got this letter... Um, the, um, the book of Hebrews is a letter written to a church, they would have totally understood the idea of a priest. A priest is talking about the way that people related to God in the Old Testament. Well, a, a priest is the way that the people related to God in the Old Testament. They would make sacrifices and offerings that represented their, that their sin had to be paid for. For them to be saved. Secondly, the priest had a role in interceding or praying for the people. They would represent them before God. They were kind of a middleman between God and the people. A bit like a lawyer in court. The priest is our defence counsel representing our case before God. The author in these two opening couple of verses gives two reasons why we should hold fast to our confession. And in a minute we'll come back and look what a confession means. But firstly, two reasons for holding on to those, that confession. One, because Jesus passed through the heavens. Jesus passed through the heavens. That's a way of saying that he has gone from our world right into God's presence. And we know that's what happened after Jesus died, right? He was resurrected from the dead. He rose from the dead. And then shortly after that, he ascended into heaven. 
That means he came back to life on earth and then later ascended to be with God the Father, to be at the right hand of God. The significance of that is that Jesus has unique access to God. Remember that a priest's job is to represent um, the people to God. A normal human, uh, human high priest can only do that from a distance because they themselves are human stuck here on earth with a great chasm between themselves and God. But Jesus is with God, ruling the whole creation with him. He is uniquely positioned to represent us to God the Father because he himself is God the Son. So much better than any earthly high priest could. It's a little bit like in the book of Esther. I don't know if you know the story, but um, basically uh, the Jewish people in the book of Esther are in mortal danger of being wiped out by a vindictive royal official called Haman. Queen Esther, the king's favourite wife, is herself a Jew. She goes in to see the king and tells him the plot against the Jews and begs him to reverse the plot and to save the Jews. The king listens to Esther because Esther has his ear as his favourite wife. God the Father listens to his son because he has his ear. He is constantly pleading for us before the Father. Second reason to hold our confession is in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus, at the same time as being in the heavens as God's Son, is also fully man. And so he's been through everything that we've been through. He can identify completely with our weaknesses because he went through all the same temptations as we do. He wasn't a robot, right? He wasn't like, you know how those pictures sometimes portrayed in the medieval paintings or in stained, stained glass windows we sometimes see today where Jesus is kind of serenely with a halo over his head, serenely floating above the ground. No, no, it's not like that. Jesus was human. He got tired, he got weak, he got hungry. He found the stuff around him tempting just like we do. But the crucial difference was, unlike us, Jesus didn't sin. Jesus has every advantage that a human high priest has. And that's set out for us in, in uh, chapter 5, verse 2. A uh, human high priest can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. So two reasons for holding fast to our confession, that Jesus has God's ear as he represents us to the Father. And secondly, that he sympathises and identifies with us because he himself is fully human. Now, let's come back to what it means to hold fast to our confession. 
The NIV actually probably makes it clearer. It says to hold fast to the faith that we profess. Hold fast to the faith. Now the church the author was writing to was in danger of not doing that. They were under a whole heap of pressure. Pressure because of persecution from the Roman government uh, and also pressure from the Jews to renounce their faith, to go back to Judaism or to, to follow the line with the, with the pagan religion or at least to, to keep their mouths shut about their faith. That way life would be easier. Now that's not quite our situation, is it? But we, we're getting closer to it, aren't we? It's no longer unimaginable that we might lose our job or at least not get that promotion for being a Christian. Um, if you've followed the news about a, a month ago, you would have seen that, that happened to uh, Andrew Thorburn as the CEO of Essendon AFL Club. But perhaps more likely, the thing that we might more likely face is opposition or, or ridicule for our beliefs at work or at uni or even from our own family. Perhaps we may even lose friends because we are a Christian. Mainstream orthodox Christian beliefs are becoming increasingly on the nose in our culture. And so the temptation for us is to increasingly lay low, keep our heads down, don't say anything that might cause offence. The temptation isn't so much completely throwing in our faith, although that, that is something we always need to guard against. But the temptation, I think, is more in becoming a silent Christian, privately believing but publicly being ashamed to voice those beliefs. Easy to do. Our culture encourages us all the time to do just that. But friends, that's never God's intent. That's never God's plan for us. Real faith is always faith lived and faith spoken. Real faith is always being a light to the world by showing people who we are and what we believe. And so we are to hold fast to our confession. And as we've seen that, the encouragement to keep doing that is that Jesus is our great high priest. We can be confident that as we speak about him, he's in our corner. He is pleading for us. He has his father's ear. God listens to him. And Jesus is always on our side. And secondly, we can be comforted as we open our mouths about Jesus. As we fear being isolated and ridiculed or friendless because of our beliefs, we can know that in Jesus we have a true friend who sympathises with what we're going through. He understands our weakness. He understands our temptations. He is with us. In the light of all these truths about Jesus, being a high priest in heaven with God who also came to earth 
as a man. The author goes on to give us a second command, a second response, and that's our second point, to come to the throne with confidence. Come to the throne with confidence. It's there in verse 16 of chapter 5. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne, the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Holding fast to our confession is about what we say to the world about our faith. Now the writer is moving from our public, our public declarations, what we say in public, to how we speak to God in private, in prayer. And we can pray confidently that God hears us. Not because we are good. Not because we have any reason to be confident in ourselves. Not because we believe the right things. Not because God is pretty pleased with us because we do a lot of stuff for him. That would be arrogance. No, our confidence isn't in ourselves but it's in Jesus. We can be confident that we receive mercy and grace when we need it. And mercy and grace are exactly what we need because we can't be confident in ourselves. In fact, the whole message of the Bible is that we are lost, broken, sinful and cut off from God. Mercy and grace are what God needed to give us. How he needed to intervene so that he could draw us to his throne. And it's through Jesus that he did that. And we'll come back to that, uh, how he did that in our third point. I said at the beginning how often it's in the dark times that we feel like God is at his most distant that our prayers may feel like they're bouncing off the ceiling. But what these verses assure us is that that feeling of distance is not the reality. Because the reality is that God's throne is a throne of grace. He longs for us to cry out to him in our time of need. And he promises that we have open access to draw near to him when we need it because Jesus is our great high priest because he intercedes constantly to God for us and God always listens to those prayers and so we can be confident friends because we as we saw Jesus sympathizes with us and deals gently with us he has been there he has been through it all before But actually, more than that. Because what Jesus went through was a suffering greater than we'll ever experience. Because he took on the weight of our sin. And that brings us to our third point. He did that so that he could be a perfect saviour for us. All the human high priests who came before him experienced weakness uh, just by being human. 
As it says in chapter 5, verse 2, we looked at a moment ago, that's what enabled the high priest to be able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward because they themselves were ignorant and wayward. But Jesus' suffering was of a different order, a different level, for a different reason. Have a look at verse 7. Chapter 5, verse 7. In the days of his flesh... Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. God was able to save Jesus from death, but he chose not to. Jesus could have escaped death, but he chose not to. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus cried out, If it's possible to take this cup from me, meaning the death that he was about to go through. But then he prayed, Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus suffered not because of human weakness, but because he chose to take on weakness by dying on the cross. Unlike the other human high priests, Jesus was the Son of God. Chapter 5, verse 5. Every other high priest was from the line of Levi that Moses set up. But there's this strange little addition in in 5, verse 6. Have a look. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. What's that about? Who's Melchizedek? Well, we won't unpack that now because that comes up later on. We'll look at it in more detail. But just for now, what it tells us is that Jesus is different from a totally new and different order of priests. And what does Jesus being different mean? It's there in verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. You see, the other human high priests could never do that. All they could ever manage was to make sacrifices that represented payment being made for the people's sins. And as it says in verse 3, they needed to do that for themselves as well uh, as the people they represented because they also were sinners. But what Jesus did was totally different. He made a sacrifice, but instead of being a bull or a sheep, he sacrificed his own body. The animal sacrifices had a definite use-by date. They had to be made time and time again to be effective. But notice that Jesus' sacrifice brings eternal salvation. He only needed to do it once, and what he did lasted for all time. And his blood paid the price for your sin and mine. It paid for every sin, past, present and future. There's no use by date on what Jesus did. And there's nothing that we can add to it. There's nothing we can add to what Jesus did. Friends, that's the gospel. That's the good news that makes Christianity unique. And the truth of Jesus' salvation feeds back to provide the solid rock that is the foundation for our first two points. Remember the two commands that are given. 
We are told to hold fast to the confession of Jesus, the Son of God, dying for us because that is our faith. Everything else hangs off that. And it's also the basis for the confidence that God hears us and draws near to us. The only reason why we can talk to God, find comfort and strength in him, and be safe for relationship with him is because of the blood of Jesus. Now at this point I'm going to get the band up. We're actually going to do what we did the last week, last couple of weeks. Uh, We're going to have our response song and then I'm going to finish up. I'm going to come back up and we're going to finish up with a couple of thoughts about how all this applies to our lives. But firstly, let's get the band up and let's sing. As we sing the song about, yeah, seeing how Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Um, yeah.
seat. So I want to try to bring things home by looking at how being, Jesus being a great high priest offers answers our struggles in two areas. One is the area of feeling guilt and shame. And secondly, feeling fear and anxiety. If you're not yet a Christian, I want to start by talking to you. I think that um, a common thing, common misconception people think about Christianity is that being part of a church, belonging to God's people, is about being good enough. I was like that when I first went to church. I felt like I had to clean up my act to be part of a church. Uh, And I felt like someone who wasn't good enough, so I had to hide who I really was and kind of put on a mask when I came to church. I was ashamed of my sin, and I felt a sense of guilt. I thought I needed to clean up my act to be accepted by God. And let me say that if you feel like that, That's the most natural thing in the world. It's the most natural response um, that you might have because that's the whole way, the whole ethos of our world that that we kind of climb the ladder to, to get better, to think better about ourselves. And religion works like that as well. Every other religion says that we have to do a whole lot of stuff and jump through a whole lot of hoops to be acceptable to whatever version of God that they have. But friends, here's the good news. Christianity, the gospel of Jesus, is the opposite of that. Jesus' sacrifice of himself means that he did everything that was needed to be done for you, to be clean and pure and acceptable. He took every ounce of your guilt and shame. It doesn't matter if you're here today. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your background. Jesus offers forgiveness for you and I just as we are. He takes away our guilt and shame and he nailed them to the cross. Secondly, Jesus as our great high priest takes away our reason for fear and anxiety. And here I'm talking to all of us because I think that's an issue for just about everyone. Many reasons why we struggle with fear and anxiety. And I don't want to pretend that understanding this passage is suddenly going to be a a magic fix-it, a magic cure-all. But as we absorb the truth of Jesus at his Father's side, constantly interceding for us, praying for us, going through our struggles with us, I believe that it will transform our hearts and our minds. Instead of fear, it will give us confidence. Instead of being anxious about what disaster might lie around the corner, we can learn to trust that even in the valley, God is there with us. And our greatest reason for confidence 
our greatest source of comfort ought to be in knowing the reason that Jesus suffered, that he went through what he did for us, that he so loves us that he gave up his life for us. doesn't mean that stresses and worry about loved ones or our health uh, or the various troubles that we face in this world go away. No, they're not going to go away. But knowing that God is for us and that all things work out for the good of those who love him and trust in him. Friends, that can make all the difference. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your gospel. We thank you so much that Jesus is our great high priest, that unlike the other high priests, he doesn't have to keep making sacrifices year after year, but he did it once for all. Thank you, Father, that Jesus takes away our guilt and our shame. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus deals with our anxiety and our fears because we know that we have a high priest who has done everything to make us acceptable by, to God and he now intercedes for us. He is always there for us, always in our corner, always interceding for us. And he understands and sympathises with us. Amen. Thank you, Marshall. Thank you, Marshall, for um, delivering us God's word to us. Um, yeah, just, just one of the analogies that Marshall used was this whole idea about having a mask. And honestly, I can relate to that because I remember coming to church and having this mask on and pretending to be good and having to do all this stuff in order that God will acknowledge that. But ultimately, that's not what it is. God calls us to come as we are, whether, it's, whether we're struggling in things or it doesn't matter about what background you are, as what Marshall said. Um, God calls us as we are so that we can, he's given us Jesus no matter who you are and we can delight in that in his amazing salvation. And yeah, and it's cool just to know that, you know, it's, we acknowledge that there are priests that do make those sacrifices, and those are temporary. Uh, but ultimately, God has given us an eternal sacrifice. He's given us Jesus so that we can have that salvation and we can delight in him. So church, be reminded of that and remain in, his, in that confidence that Jesus has has taken us, taken us and taken our sins once and for all. And it's appropriate that we conclude today's service by, by reading out the blessing. So this blessing comes from Numbers. So please, please join me as I read the blessing out to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. And thanks everyone and God bless.